He smiled, such a handsome smile, but it didn't fool Ada. I know what you're going to say, he teased, and I'm fully aware it's one of Ruth's jobs. But I do enjoy it, Mother. Bringing up your supper tray is one of the few things I can do to show my affection for you. Ada was disgusted by all his gushing and lies. You'd best go, she said tiredly. I'm sure you have things to do. God forgive her, but just having him nearer was nauseating. Everything's fine, so don't worry your head about it. As he bent to kiss her on the forehead, she involuntarily stiffened. He sensed it, but as always made no comment. Now that's settled, I'll leave you to enjoy your supper. His brown eyes enveloped her. Leave the tray by the bed as usual, and I'll get Daisy to collect it later. Oh, so Daisy isn't in your bad books, then. I have no qualms about that young girl. Daisy Morgan is an absolute gem. Good. In turn, Ada offered him her sweetest smile. Over the years, she'd learned to do that without betraying her repugnance of him. I'm tired now, she said. Ask Daisy to collect the tray in the morning. If that's what you want, it is. You will eat your supper, though, won't you? Ada nodded. Would he never go? Good night, Peter. Good night, Mother. Sleep well. I'm sure I will. She visibly relaxed as he left the room. The devil in disguise, she muttered. You don't fool me. Bent over the sink, arms deep in soap suds, Ruth didn't hear him come into the kitchen. When, with cat-like stealth, he tiptoed across the floor to grab her by the waist, she screamed out, Shut up, you silly bitch! Putting one hand over her mouth and the other round her waist, he drew her to him. She'll hear you! Laughing in his face, Ruth danced to the other side of the room, where she undid her blouse to reveal the deep, soft cleavage beneath. What may do you? Licking her lips, she teased dangerously. He feigned indifference. I can take you or leave you. No, you can't. Smiling into his eyes, she slipped the blouse off and dropped the straps of her underslip. With her breasts uncovered, she reached down to unfasten her skirt. Now do you want me? Fully aware of her power over him, she stepped out of her clothes, stark naked, daring him to take her. Returning her smile, he came forward, arms outstretched, eyes glittering. Little baggage, I ought to send you packing. <laughs> but you won't, will you? Smothering her to him, he pushed her to the ground, where for a moment he looked her over. If you ever breathe a word to her, he flicked a glance to the ceiling, I'll have to punish you. There was no doubting his meaning. What makes you think I'd tell her? Ruth said cheekily, because sometimes you forget your place. There followed a brief span of silence when she looked at him and was afraid. Don't worry, she assured him. I ain't stupid. I know which side me bread's buttered. He gave a long, satisfied sigh. Good girl. While she stripped away his clothes, his avaricious eyes feasted on her nakedness. 
perfectly shaped in every way with a large, full mouth and tormenting green eyes to go with her glorious head of red hair, Ruth Clegg had everything he wanted from a woman. She was not too bright, nor too demanding, and she knew who was boss. Much like a dog, he thought, with a rush of wicked humour. She saw the glint in his eyes and was pleased. Penny Farham? Undoing the last button, she leaned forward, nibbling him on the ear. Running his hands through her long, fiery hair, he bent her head back and snatched her to him. I was just thinking what a common little tart you are, he laughed. Pulling away, she stared at him, her mouth set in a hard line. Is that what you really think? He kissed her, angered when she didn't respond. Don't refuse me, he warned. Not now. His hands encircled her waist. You know how upset I get. Do you really think I'm common? Now she was more curious than offended. Yes, that's what I like about you the most. Bastard. His smile was enchanting. The worst. At that she laughed, and all was forgiven. In her bedroom, Ada heard them laughing, and her illusions about Ruth went forever. Pair of bad buggers together, she sighed, wondering how she could have been so naive about the young woman she had genuinely liked. You pulled the wool over my eyes for a while, she murmured. But now, Ruth, you've helped me make up my mind. What's more, I'll have no reason to feel guilty about it. Not now I find that you and he have been taking me for an old fool. For a long time now she had searched her heart, longing to right the wrong she had done. To her mind there seemed only one way, and even now, after hearing the goings-on downstairs, she had found it a hard decision to make. After all, in spite of his failings, Peter was her own flesh and blood. But he's no longer a child, she reminded herself. He's a grown man. She reconsidered this and gave an ironic laugh. <laughs> no, he isn't. My son is not even a man. He's a useless, lazy article, and I wish to God he'd never been born. Cradling her face in the palms of her hands, she remembered how it once was. She recalled herself as a young woman, tall and straight, with a ruthless streak that would serve her well in the years that lay ahead. A real beauty, everyone said, but with ideas above a station. They all wanted me to fail. But I showed them, she said proudly. She had clawed and fought her way to the top. I couldn't keep Ada Williams down, however hard they tried. Feeling lonely, she reached out to the bedside cabinet and turned on the wireless. The voices were uplifted in a carol she knew well. Leaning back in bed, she let the song wash over her. And suddenly, almost without realising it, she began to sing along with them. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. When the voices died away, Ada snapped off the wireless, thinking bitterly how useless and empty her life had been. She had never married again after losing her one true love, not from choice, but because she was always the bit on the side, the one who gave all and got little in return, except for the sparkling trinkets and generous settlements, all well-earned, all squirrelled away. After all, a girl had to look out for herself. Older now, and far wiser, she had only two regrets. One was her wayward son. 
It saddened her to see how cruel Peter had grown. He had no friends, not even a sensible woman to tame him. Wise men avoided him, and any unfortunate woman who caught his eye was first callously used and then discarded. Ada's other, deeper regret was something that had happened years ago. It was a terrible thing she had done, and since then her every waking moment was haunted by it. Even now, after all this time, when she let the memories carry her back, tears ran unheeded down her face. Taking a deep sigh, she eventually calmed herself. It's no good crying, she said shakily. That won't put matters right. The tiniest of smiles lifted the corners of her mouth. To think it took me all these years to track them down, only to discover they lived just half an hour away. She'd been sorely tempted to go and see that family, to make herself known and become part of their lives, but it was too late for that now. If they found out what she had done, they would drive her from the door, Bertie especially. She knew he would never forgive her, but that was no more than she could expect. No, it's better they don't know of my existence, she muttered sadly. One day they may have to, but then it won't matter any more. All that remained now was to make amends, and make amends she would, by whatever means. All those years, she grieved. But now that you've found them, she told herself, you know what you must do. Chapter Two The sound of their merriment echoed down Bunser Lane. Ah, it's no good! Helpless with laughter, Sylvia Bolton fell against...